Grab your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. You're going to need your Bible today. You need it every week, but especially today. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, get close to someone who does. Uh, download an app on your phone. Do what you need to, but you're going to need to be at Acts chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be saturating ourselves in three chapters today. Chapter 2, 3, and 4 primarily. Those chapters we're going to be in uh, quite a bit today. I don't know if... Uh, You've ever had this phenomenon happen to you, but uh, I love the whole world of DVRs. The ability to be able to record a show uh, without uh, a tape and play it back when I want to and skip the commercials is a beautiful thing. In fact, I was trying to explain to my daughter the other day, she's nine years old, and uh, she wanted me to pause the radio. And I'm like, um, I, I, I can't do that. And, and that didn't compute with her because everything else she could pause and rewind and fast forward and, and get it to be on her time and what she wants. But I've had some frustration uh, lately with my DVR at home. And uh, I, I don't know if I believe the answers that the TV company is giving to me. But they say, well, you, you load up your cable box with too much stuff, too much Shark Week shows that have been saved to watch later, and uh, then it doesn't start acting right. And I, I will try to fast forward to get through the commercials, and the fast forward button does nothing. But I have found that if I rewind, it will rewind, and then if I hit fast forward, it will start to fast forward again. And I brought this to their attention. They said, oh, yeah, it's kind of a, you know, a, a flaw in the system, but it, it works somehow. And I was thinking about that this week as I was uh, looking at this passage of Scripture, and it came to my mind again, what God had showed to me in, in uh, previous days, that though this is the issue with the cable company that was a design flaw, some kind of malfunction, there is this pattern of having to rewind to be able to fast forward in this passage of Scripture in Acts. And I want to suggest to us today that this is not some kind of accident. This isn't some kind of overloading of the system. This is the way God has created his church to work. And, and I want us to wrestle with this idea of rewinding to be able to fast forward. Look with me at Acts chapter 2, the first four verses. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, seating. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. As you know, this is the birth of the New Testament church and, and they were told in Acts one, to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit has come upon them, and it, it sets up all the exciting things that I love in the book of Acts. If the Bible seems boring to you, then you need to read this book, and there is all kinds of excitement that's taking place. Drama, I would even argue there's humor, there's all kinds of good stuff in the book of Acts, but, but let's be honest, I like to fast forward through the commercials, and I want to get to the good stuff. I want to get right to the action. And there's these supernatural acts that take place and these divine God moments. And, and I don't know about you, have you ever desired to just see something miraculous with your own eyes? Not just read about it, but, but you want to see it. You want to be a part of it. And, and, and I want to fast forward. And maybe you want to fast forward to get to that. But, but something happens first before they get to those moments. There's this 
pattern of rewinding, going back to where it all started. That's so important to understand how they got to those exciting spirit supernatural advancements. If you're taking notes, number one, it all started with everyone being filled with the Spirit. It wasn't just one of them being filled with the Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Acts 2, 4 is talking about. They were filled with the very Spirit of God. Now, last week, we we looked at the inner drawer of our heart. Remember? The inside stuff. And we saw God call us to surrender every aspect of our life, every corner, every drawer, every compartment of our life to Him and let Him be in charge of that. And when He is saturating our being that way, He is filling us. He is not just residing in our life, but He is president over our entire life. He's in charge of our life. We allow the Holy Spirit to have power inside of us. That's what's happening right here in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And and there's some fundamentals, there's some basics that we may be tempted to fast forward through. And say, well, I I know about these things. Let's get to the the exciting stuff. Well, we need to see this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Turn there with me. Flip the page. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It started with them going back to the basics. They devoted themselves to these things. One, they devoted themselves to Scripture. It wasn't just to religious talk. It wasn't just kind of reading over Scripture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Meaning that they allowed it to have authority in their life. And they would make their life fit into what the teaching called for. They devoted themselves to that. They also devoted themselves to meeting together. When the Holy Spirit filled them, they devoted themselves to the Scripture. They devoted themselves to meeting together. It wasn't just any kind of gathering. It was a gathering that was marked by the fullness of the Spirit of everybody there. The Spirit-led meeting together. Next, we see that they were devoted to prayer. Not just reciting words, not just going through a list or anything like that. It was Spirit-filled prayer. If we rewind and we see what's happening here, it sets up, it's the precursor, it's required for the things that we want to fast forward to. Well, what what are some of those supernatural advancements? Let's look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. I mean, this was stuff that was beyond their ability, beyond their control, things that nobody could argue with. It perplexed people. God's stuff was happening. And the foundation was laid that they were filled with the Spirit, they were praying, they were meeting together, they were devoting themselves to Scripture, and it led to something. What is prayer and Scripture and meeting together like this leading you to? Now, I should have started by saying this whole message is, is built with the assumption that this is true. If you don't believe the Bible is true all the time true, then I probably should have warned you, you're going to hate this message. Because, you see, this is, this is not only the source of truth for my life, but, but this is a book of examples of what God does. Not exceptions of what he did once or one time that he'll never, ever, ever, ever do again. 
Now, don't misunderstand me. We don't manipulate God. I don't force him to do what I want him to do. He can do whatever he wants, but he's not given us his word to say, that's what I did once. I don't do that anymore. I don't have power like that anymore. I don't work through people like that anymore. I don't do anything miraculous anymore. In fact, I suggest today that God is longing to do the miraculous among us. And I want to fast forward to that. I kind of slipped and let you know I kind of like Shark Week with the Discovery Channel and all this stuff. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I like watching that show. It's, it's pretty cool. And I want to fast forward and get to the, the next great shark discovery. I, I could care less about the commercial. I don't really care about the next show they're trying to get me to watch because that's like big ratings that week and they're pushing all their other shows. Just let me see the sharks. I want to get to the good stuff. And, and it's easy to say, I want to get to the the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to get to the miraculous signs and wonders. I want to get to the things where it's a God moment and no one can argue with it. Believer and unbeliever. Something supernatural happened. But we have to rewind to go back to the beginning to see what started this all in the early church. When we fast forward, let's make sure we know what this miraculous thing is. Acts chapter 2, verse 43 Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. As we read on, we begin to see some things take place. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. Oh, that didn't sound very fun. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What is this supernatural advancement as we fast forward to get to the the good stuff? First, we read of a selfless community. When the power of the Holy Spirit fills a group of people and they begin to take scripture and they begin to take meeting together and they begin to take their, their call to, to pray seriously, it changes something. Something is transformed. And one of those things is their very community looked different. It was a gathering of people who were selfless. They didn't come together and say, hey, I'm so glad to be a part of this church because it's entertaining. I'm so glad to be a part of this body of believers because they meet the needs that I have. They came and they said, what I have is yours. I, I want to give of myself. This is a supernatural act. Now, now this is that supernatural advancement that maybe doesn't make our top ten list. I'd like to see physical healings again right before my eyes where someone's body is changed. But I, I confess that it's few times that it's been on my list to say, I'd really like to see me give all my stuff away. There is a supernatural transformation that doesn't just fit nice in one category. It, it spills out everywhere, and it messes up their entire community, and everything changes. And the supernatural advancement was a direct overflow of what happened when the Spirit filled their life. We also read there in Acts 2.47, they had people being saved daily. Daily. Now, now church, I, I like it when we light the candle. But it's been a few days. And we got a problem. Either this is God's Word or it's not. Either this is, a, this is an example of what God can still do or, or it's not. 
Why would God call us to go from here to Chicago and then give us a map of San Diego? It doesn't make any sense. He gave us his word, a road map of where he's taking us. And it's, it's full, chock full of examples of how he works and what he does in the lives of his kids when they are obedient and they allow his spirit to work through them. There was a miraculous selfless community. There was daily salvations. And number three, there was boldness in reaching out with miraculous transformations. There was a boldness. Now let's saturate ourselves for a minute in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Peter is the subject of this chapter. Let's look at this together. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon, now a crippled man from birth was there, being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Anybody ask you for money lately? Whether it was somebody on the side of the road, or someone in your own household, Anybody ask you for things of yourself? Maybe they didn't ask you for your cash, but they ask you for your time. They ask you for the resources of your talent. They ask you for the resources of your friendship. They're asking something of you. And, and Peter and John are in this scenario, and, and somebody asks them for something, for money. Verse 4, Peter looks straight at him, as did John. So apparently, this beggar is asking for money, but not looking at him. And he says, hey, hey, look at me. Look at me, because what I'm about to tell you, I want you to know, I'm not blowing you off. I'm not making an excuse. Silver or gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. In other words, he says, I want to lock eyes with you. I want to see into your your very depths of your soul. I want you to know, what you ask for, I don't have. You don't even need that. But what you need, I have. And he tells them, get up and walk. And he gets up and walks and he's healed. And and, and we begin to see the miraculous. And he's jumping and running in the temple courts. And and people were amazed. And some translations say, this cripple was was over 40 years old. Makes me scratch my head and say, well, why would that be important? And some translations add this. Well, for some of us, once we get past a certain age, any kind of change just doesn't happen very much. Could it possibly be that this miracle was not someone who just happened to kind of be having a bad day with their legs, but their entire life, their legs were useless. Friends, some of us have lived a long life, and we've lived in the crippling aspect of what the enemy has for us, and God wants to bring healing to us. Something changed. There was a selfless community, daily salvations, and there was a boldness. Peter and John had the boldness to say, hey, what you want, I don't have what you need. I want to give to you. Get up and walk. Now, he says, why? Why? Look at at verse uh, 12, the second part of verse 12. Why do you stare at us as if it's our own power, our own godliness that, that made this man walk? Now, this is so key. He says, why do you think we're special? We're not powerful. We're not so perfect. But the Jesus in us changes us, and the Jesus in us can change you. 
Church, when's the last time that you actually believed that the Jesus in you is actually greater than he that's in the world? When's the last time you believed that the very Spirit of God that you house in your temple of yourself is the key to somebody's freedom around you? Well, you know, I I don't know if they really want to know about God. Well, you know, they, they, they probably don't believe or, you know, that would be kind of pushy or i got to take them to coffee 719 times before I can talk about Jesus. Hogwash. Either the Bible is true or it's not. Is something happening in us that we can't help but talk about? Is there something oozing out? Just fast forward and get to the, get to the exciting parts of this. Friend, we have to rewind to get back to the basics to see what took them to that place we continue on see this peter who preached a sermon and people were coming to know jesus in the thousands is the same guy 30 or 60 days earlier denied jesus the one who's giving credit to jesus just a few days earlier was denying jesus this is all centered on who jesus is well, this boldness continues on. Chapter 4, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Dead people are supposed to stay dead and Jesus is not supposed to be brought up. This is causing a problem. Knock it off. So they seize them. They arrest them. They take them away. And listen to the boldness of this. Follow along right, right there at the beginning of chapter 4. Peter says to them, <laughs> oh, oh, here's the humor. Are, are, are you arresting us because of this kindness that we have shown to somebody? Like, he's saying, i got to get this straight. We're the bad criminals because this guy who was crippled can now walk. I can see how this would be a problem for you. But then he brings the kicker. He says, yeah. This was done in the name of Jesus Christ. The one you crucified, the one you saw no hope in, that's the one who has power. He, he, he didn't have to say that. He could have just been a little bit quiet. He could have been politically correct. He could have just said, hey, 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 I, I, I don't want to disturb anything. I'll just go around helping people, but, but I don't have to say where it came from. I'll just kind of do a random act of kindness. He says, no, there's nothing random about this. I've got to go back to when the Spirit of God filled me and called me and the Peter who denied Jesus, the Peter who cut off the ear to help God because God couldn't handle it, changed. Something took place in him, and now he is boldly proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ. And miraculous transformations are taking place everywhere. Then in verse 20 of chapter 4, he ends his little talk. He says, uh, basically, you say what you're going to say, but i got to obey God instead of you. In verse 20, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Church, what is it that you have seen of God that you can't quit talking about? Anything? Is there anything in your life where you've seen God move, and you go, i got to tell somebody. If not, we have to ask the question, what do we do with this? 
If the fullness of the Spirit is real, and it's real, and if it's available to us, and many of us have asked that to take place. Last week we, we talked about God taking the inner drawer of our heart and Him being in charge of every nook and cranny of our life. And, and He's not just in our life, but he, He's president of our life. He is sanctifying us, setting us apart for His holy use. The power of the Spirit comes, but that's not the end. That's the beginning. Many of us, we, we have this false idea that I am saved, and then I am sanctified, the Holy Spirit fills me, and I'm just petrified, and I wait till I die. And I just try not to say bad words, and try not to go bad places, and try to vote a, a nice way, and then just kind of hang out until I go to heaven. You need to hit fast forward. Because when we go back to an authentic move of the Spirit, these things take place. There is a boldness that happens. There's a boldness in prayer. Look at verse 23 of chapter 4. So they're released from prison. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders and said to them, what was the report? Um, They're not happy with us. They're going to throw us in jail and beat us if we do it again. When they heard this, they raised their voice together in prayer to God. Here's what they said, verse 29. Now, Lord, they're praying, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's just like us, isn't it? God, help us. We get together and we pray and sometimes the first thing that comes to our mind is, God, consider my discomfort and make me comfortable. God, my week didn't go the way that I hoped that it went. Would you help me have a better week next week? And don't misunderstand me. Everything that concerns us is a concern to God. And we should cast all of our cares upon Him. And there's, that, that, that's a fine place. But when we are praying in the Spirit, something changes inside of us. The, the thing that's on the tip of my tongue is not just what I want for me, but that selfless community comes out in the way I pray. And they say, God, consider their threats. You know, they're serious. They put us in jail for the night. It was embarrassing. Now, embarrassing it is to be put in jail all night. Your name's in the paper. Everybody knows. It messes up your reputation. Consider their threats. And what would they pray? Enable your servant to do it again. Give me boldness. If that's what you want, God, I want the boldness you have. That is supernatural. Things are beginning to happen, and it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit. It continues to happen all throughout here. Then we see that This fast forward also calls them back to the basics again. Look at Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I've shared this scripture with you before. What does this mean? Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they were all filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, they were all filled with the Spirit. Are these different people? Did they, did they lose it? No. It's the same group of people. They were operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, why did they go back? Don't go back. Let's go forward. Well, why, why are we being filled with the Spirit again? There was a renewal of the Holy Spirit. This pattern of rewinding, coming back to the source, coming back to where this all started, to catapult us to go forward into the supernatural things that God has for us, is a pattern we find all throughout this book of Acts, all throughout the birth, the beginning of the church. And friends, I believe God is calling us to lay our lives and our community on this template and say, God, 
Are you wanting to do that again in us? Are you wanting to renew the power of the Holy Spirit in my life? Sometimes we're content with nothing miraculous. Other times we're so captivated by the miraculous, we have no more need for the Holy Spirit. Both are a recipe for disaster. There has to be a continual going back to the source to be able to fast forward to where he is taking us. Number one, they reviewed again, and then they rewind, rewound again, and then the renewal of the Holy Spirit was there. And then they went back to the basics again. We see in the scripture, again, they devoted themselves to meeting together. They devoted themselves to prayer, and they devoted themselves to the scripture And the message. You can see those references. Take some time today to look at that. I'm not making this up. You see it there. Again, they go back to it again and again. But it doesn't stop. There's another fast forward. There's another advancement of supernatural things taking place. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. There were signs and wonders. There were things that God could only do that were taking place. In our culture today, the the phrase signs and wonders has been used and misused and abused to the point where I don't even know if we really understand what it's talking about. The question here I want to ask you today is, is there anything in your life happening that it's clearly God, it's not you? Or do you live your life so safe, so reserved, so calculative that you, you can't tell if it was you or God? Is there any level of obedience he's calling you to that if God doesn't show up, (laughs) I'm failing? It's not presuming in God. It's not being irresponsible. But God, all throughout Scripture, calls people to be obedient to the place where they have to depend on him. This is miraculous. There are signs and wonders that this is God's work, not man's work. Number two, verse 14 of chapter 5. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Again, we begin to see that more than ever, people were being added to their number in salvation. When's the last time that you led somebody to Jesus? Statistics scare me sometimes. I don't know if they're true. I heard this once. 90% of all statistics are false, probably including the one I just said. But I heard it shared one time that roughly 1% of all Christians will reproduce their faith in someone else. And I confess, I I don't know if that stat is accurate, but I, I believe it's small. When is the last time something in you called you to share your faith in boldness? Not out of guilt, not out of pride, but out of the power of the Spirit in you. It was happening more than ever. Third. Healing and life transformation were available to people just for being in the presence of the believers. What? Let's look at Acts chapter 5, 15 and 16. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Well, what do we do with this? Well, if we didn't have the, the verse earlier in the chapter or two before, we could say, well, this is, this is dangerous. Peter's getting pretty excited about himself. But remember, he just said, why do you look at me as if this is the power in me or as if there's something so godly about me? This is Jesus. 
He's thrown in prison because he says, this is Jesus. We just sing about it before the message. God, you are worthy to be praised. We give you all the glory. Peter was saying, I give God all the glory. And that was so powerful. People were longing just to get close enough to Peter and John and the others that just by the overflow of the Spirit of God in their life, they were touched. Not because of them, not because they smelled so nice, but because they were so saturated in Jesus, people said, I don't know what to do. I just got to go get close to the person who, who loves God that much. And transformation was taking place. Friend, when's the last time that somebody was transformed just by being close enough to you that they could feed off the overflow of what God's doing in your life? We fast forward and we see the miraculous work again. But right in the middle of this cycle, going back to the basics, fast forward to the supernatural. Back to the basics, fast forward to the supernatural. It's not just prayer. It's not just meeting together. It's, it's also the prayer in the Spirit. It's meeting together in the Spirit. It's studying the Scripture in the Spirit. And it transformed things. Something should happen. And they were fast forward into that supernatural act. But right in the middle of this, something happens. There is a pause that leads to a stop, a screeching halt. It stands out in these chapters here like a sore thumb. I mean, all this great, amazing stuff happening. What is this? Look at chapter 5, verse 1 through 10. I'm going to paraphrase some of it, but follow along. Chapter 5, 1 through 10. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. Everybody was selling what they had to give to the common good There, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter, he says to Ananias, really? You're going to lie to the very Spirit of God about what is his? So, like, how much of what you have is really yours? How much of it is God's? Have we not been through this, Ananias? Oh, no, no. I sold the property and what I gave you is everything I had. But yet we read here that he held back a portion. He held back in his sin. They were holding back in sin. Jot that down in that first blank there. They were holding back in sin. This began to lead this pause to a stop, to a screeching halt. When they were holding back in sin, what was the sin? They were claiming ownership of what was not theirs. The context for us here today is, what is it that you or I, what are we holding back? What is it that God says, I want all of that, but but I'm only going to give you part of that, or most of that? What is it that you're hanging on to as owning that's not really yours? This goes both ways. It may be resources of your time, your talent, your treasure, your obedience that you're holding back that you're not giving to God. But it also could be things that are not yours, that you're claiming that's yours, that's Satan's. This lie that you're a no good nothing. Well, I'd serve God, but I'm just, I'm not good at anything. That's a lie. Why are you claiming that as your own? Leave it. That's not God's. Well, I I would, but that's not my personality type. This has nothing to do with the personality. Peter and John basically said, we are goofy guys, but it's the Spirit of God in us. So don't hang on to those things. When, when we, hold back in sin, when we claim ownership of things that are not ours, it leads this pause to a stop that's very dangerous. And it it brought death to them. Now, I don't pretend to think that this next illustration thought 
is at that level, but it felt like it this week. I've been riding bikes quite a lot lately, and I've been talked into wearing these shoes that clip into the pedals of the bike. You ever seen that ridiculous idea? And uh, it's supposed to help. I don't really know what it's supposed to do, but they tell me it's a good idea. And you're supposed to go faster and have less energy and all this stuff. But And I've used them for a while, but, but I was riding my bike with my daughter and my wife, and I had my girls with me, and I was kind of showing off, and, and uh, I, I had a crash. I had a new bike, and I had a crash. I had my first crash. You won't guess how fast I was going when I crashed. Zero. I wasn't moving at all. In fact, I found out how deadly a lack of momentum can be. I came up to the stop sign and I stopped and I've ridden my bike my entire life. This was a new bike, but I've ridden bikes my whole life and, and I just, just forgot that my feet are locked to these pedals. And it was like in slow motion, my brain could not move fast enough to, to just move my heel out, but in slow motion I just went, Boom, right on my left side. And it's hard to show off in front of your wife and daughter when you just want to cry. And there was no real danger. I wasn't even moving. And I just fell on my hip and my elbow and my shoulder. And it was painful. Friend, when you ride the bike and you keep momentum, you can stay up. We wonder so many times as Christians... Why is Satan fighting me so much? It's so hard. There's so many temptations. Quit holding back in sin. Quit stalling. Quit pausing. When you stop and you're not moving with him, you are no longer held up by the momentum of obeying Christ. You're flirting with falling over. There is a painful death spiritually that takes place when we do not wake up. As we read on in this passage here, we begin to see this death that resulted here in Acts 5, 1 through 10, when Ananias heard this, this is verse 5 of chapter 5, he fell down and died. And then a great fear seized all who heard what had happened. I think I'd be afraid too. This is a serious thing. Friend, we need to understand that there is serious consequences to pausing or delaying our obedience with God. It was a warning for everyone to see. The whole community saw what takes place. We find this cycle would go over and over throughout the book of Acts. There's a going back to the power of the Holy Spirit. There's an advance forward to the exciting things. Well, Brady, what does that, what does that mean to us today? What, what can I take from this? One, I believe that Grace Point needs to rewind. We have to go back to the power of the Holy Spirit to be catapulted to where God is taking us. Brady, but, but fast forward. I, I want to know where Grace Point's going. I, I want to see what God has for us. So do I. We've got to go back to the fullness of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. We need to dedicate ourselves to the principles of celebration and connection. When we care for one another and we learn from God's Word together and we serve someone besides ourselves. Have you heard that before? If you've been around here for a while, that should become familiar. This is just another way to talk about Acts chapter 2 church. And when we do these things in the power of the Spirit, something changes in us. We need to be a people of prayer, not just praying our own desires or lists, but praying in the Spirit. Then there's a fast forward. If we do those things, this is where God will take us. I believe for us at Grace Point, God wants to knit together a selfless community. A community where we gather together, not because 
everybody does what I want them to do, or, or they agree with me on everything, or they look like me, or they talk like me, or they smell like me, but I come together out of a desire to serve somebody besides myself, and something happens. There's nothing more attractive than a genuine, selfless community. I'm so sick and tired of church growth movement trying to make God cool. Just think of how, how audacious that is. Well, God's gotten boring. No, we've gotten disconnected. There's nothing boring about an almighty God. There's something absolutely nauseating and revolting about people who talk about God, but don't live God. And, and when we have a selfless community, there's nothing more attractive than that. Talk about an advertising campaign. I want to come see these people who, who live outside of themselves. They think of others first. It's also daily salvations. There's nothing more important. I see God taking us where we will see people find Jesus on a daily basis. What does that look like in your life? God's calling you to be a part of that. Third, as we fast forward, we will find miraculous transformations. Not just physical, though I believe they'll be physical. They'll be spiritual. They'll be emotional. They'll be relational. Transformations because of who God is. There's nothing more exciting than seeing a life that is changed forever because of who Jesus is. And the warning today, friend, in the midst of this going back to the source and being catapulted forward to what God has for us, if we hold on to sin, If we hold back something in disobedience, it kills the momentum, and before you know it, you'll be laying on your hip and your elbow and say, how did I get here? I've been riding the bike of following the Holy Spirit my whole life. Friend, don't stall in obedience. Obey swiftly. Don't claim ownership of what is not yours. There's been some who, who, in in saying, I want God to move in in our church. Maybe you've been a part of this church for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And it's, it's, it's easy to say, this is my church. You don't own it. (laughs) Ha ha. That's going to go over well. I don't own it. The denomination doesn't own it. It says Jesus' church. And I'm not going to claim ownership of something that's not mine. Hey, it goes farther than that. This isn't my body. i got to wear it. But this is Jesus' body. This isn't my mouth or my brain or my hands or my feet. This is Jesus's. And I begin to live as if, God, these are your hands. These are your feet. What do you want to do with them? And I don't have to say, oh, God, you got a huge problem. These hands are so insignificant. They're just average they're his hands. If I get to insult God, this is what he gave me. This is what they are. And when we begin to be bold and let the Holy Spirit empower us, something will change. And you and I are the first things to change in that. Friend, we have to go back to where it starts to get where God is calling us. As we pray together, Pastor Edgar is going to come and I want us to respond in some worship today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to knit together these words and bring meaning from your word to us again. God, I pray that you'll strip away anything that was distracting and not beneficial to your word today. 
But God, allow your truth to take root in our heart. God, we corporately confess to you today, we want you to have the inner drawer of our heart. We want you to be in charge of every area of our life. But God, forgive us for thinking that it is done and over there. You want to take us someplace exciting, supernatural, the the adventure of following you. We confess, God, some of us, we're content. We don't really want anything else. We just want to pause. God, remind us, life and death is wrapped up in delaying obedience. God, there's other of us that we're excited about the power and the move of your your spirit. And and we've been so excited for for a long time. We we feel like we've been trying to pull this church along. If this church would finally get on board, we could finally have a move of God. And we're so ready to fast forward. God, would you call us to come back to the fullness of the spirit ourselves in you? And remind us, it's not about us, it's about you. And what we let you do in us. Lord, we give you glory and honor today. Friend, would you stand with me? As we stand together, if God's been speaking to you, lift your voice in song, not to me, not to Edgar or the worship team, but to God as your response in worship today.